Today I'm continuing a teaching that I've been doing on blessings and miracles. And I tell you, I've really enjoyed this. This is a truth that just helped me to understand how the kingdom of God works. I taught on blessings and miracles about 20 years ago. And the tape set that I had is a 20-year-old teaching. And so I've retaught it. It's still the same teaching, but it's just updated. And uh, we've expanded it. It was a three-teaching set. Now it's going to be a four-teaching set. I've already established the power of a blessing. We've talked about that. We've contrasted blessings and miracles. Then we talked about the permanence of a blessing that once it's given, that God will never take it back. Satan can't stop it. We talked about how that you are the only one that can stop God's blessing in your life. And I, as a portion of that, I talked about how that God's blessing isn't dependent upon your performance, but rather dependent upon your faith. Now, your faith affects your performance, and I'm saying that there is a connection there, but it's not a direct link, and you need to understand that, or you will allow the devil to condemn you and talk you out of the blessings of God because you don't feel worthy for it. That was an important teaching. What I want to do today is just to begin to start sharing some scriptures with you that will show you specifically what some of the blessings are that God has given you. Now remember that I taught in the beginning of this teaching that the blessing of God isn't just things, but rather it's God's favor that has been spoken over you. Spoken divine favor. Now that is critically important that you understand that. Over here in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, the scripture says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, sometimes people get tripped up because it says that He's blessed us with all spiritual blessings. But if you were to read this, and I believe it's the Amplified Bible, it says that He's blessed us with all earthly and spiritual blessings. This is not saying that it's only something pie in the sky by and by. This is just an old English way of saying that God has already blessed us with everything. Everything that will ever happen to you as a born-again believer has already been spoken over you. Those blessings have already been given. That means that your forgiveness of sins, your resurrection of your physical body, the fact that you're going to live for eternity, accepted in the beloved, Ephesians 1, 6, and anything that is ever going to happen, God has already purchased that through Jesus. Everything that God has ever purchased for us was done through Jesus, and it has been spoken over us. We've got a record of it here in Scripture, and so the blessing has already been given. And as much as we can renew our mind and believe, we can appropriate those blessings here in this physical body. Now, we have a blessing, and I'm going to get into more detail when we go through other things, but just as a little tease... You have a blessing that someday there's going to be no more sickness, no more disease, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. All of these former things have passed away is what it says over in the book of Revelation. Well, as much as we can renew our mind, that blessing has already been purchased and spoken over us. And as much as you can renew your mind and believe for it, you can walk in supernatural health and joy and victory right here in this life. You don't have to wait until you go to be with the Lord. 
and there are scriptures that show that. But let me just share a couple of things with you about some of the blessings. I've divided these. First of all, we're going to go through talking about the blessings that have happened to you in the spirit realm, then the blessings that have happened to you in your physical body, and the blessings that have happened to you in your soulish realm. And of course, I'm just hitting some highlights. There's a lot more to this than the things that I'm going to be sharing. But in Hebrews chapter 9, let me just point out a few scriptures here. Hebrews chapter 9, and in verse 12, it says, "...neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us." Now, I've taught on this before recently when we were going through our teaching on spirit, soul, and body. And I've also got this teaching in uh, the book of Romans, the gospel, the power of God unto salvation. There's a number of things I teach this in. But real quickly, let me just hit some of these highlights and point this out. We're talking about that God's blessings are ours. And all we have to do is, first of all, know that they're ours and then believe it. So the first step is just finding out what are the blessings. In the spirit realm, this says that Jesus, through one offering, has obtained eternal redemption for us. This doesn't mean redemption until the next time you sin and then you lose your right standing with God and you've got to repent and pray through and get born again again. That's the way that some religions teach. Again, I know that I'm stirring up a lot of things. If you're brand new to this and haven't heard me teach on that spirit, soul, and body in the book of Romans and stuff, this may be really challenging your theology. But if you believe that every time you sin, you lose your right standing with God and you've got to go through a new repentance and pray through and get back into the right standing of God, well, then you need your theology challenge because that's wrong teaching. That's prevalent. It's probably dominant. But it's wrong. This says that God obtained eternal redemption for us. Look in verse 14. It says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this cause He is the uh, mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Did you know not very many people have that concept? Most people think that your relationship with God is just teetering on you're losing it all of the time. And if you were to sin, you'd lose it and you could pray through. Hebrews chapter 6 verses 4 through 6 reveals that if you do fall away, it's impossible to renew you again under repentance. There is no such thing as this being born again again. Every time you sin, you lose your salvation and you pray through and get born again again. You're saved, lost, saved, lost, saved, lost. That's not what this is teaching. And through the rest of the ninth chapter of Hebrews, it teaches that exact point. I'm not going to take time to read all of this. If you go on into Hebrews chapter 10, especially verses 10 and 14, it says, "...by the which will we are now sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all." One time forever, God has forgiven your sins. And then in verse 14, it says that uh, by one offering He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Verse 10 says you've been sanctified through the offering of Jesus Christ once for all. And then verse 14 says now that you've been sanctified, you've been perfected forever. How in the world can you believe that? 
Most people look in a mirror and they see all kinds of imperfection in their body. They search their mind and they see terrible thoughts and attitudes in their mind and they think, I just don't understand how the Bible can say that we are perfect. Well, in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 23, it says that you have come to the general assembly and church of the firstborn which are written in heaven and to God the judge of all and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Now, I'm running through this very quickly, and I've got a lot more teaching on this in my spirit, soul, and body teaching, my book of Romans, the gospel, the power of God teaching, and there's just a lot more detail. But I'm just trying to say that part of your blessing in the spirit realm is that you have been forgiven of all sin, past, present, and even future tense sin. Sin that you haven't even committed yet has already been forgiven, and in the spirit realm, you are sanctified and perfected forever. Boy, that's powerful. And you know what? If you were to just focus on that one blessing, the fact that all of your sin has been forgiven, that all of your sin and unrighteousness has been placed upon Jesus, and that if you receive Him as your Savior, then you are forgiven of all sin for all time, past, present, and future that your future is secure. It's not based on your goodness and holiness, but rather your humility to humble yourself and accept salvation as a gift. If you could understand that and fully appreciate that, did you know that that would solve a lot of problems? A lot of problems. Everything in your life would begin to change if you just fully understood the blessing of having all of your sin, past, present, and even future tense sins forgiven. Man, we could stay on that for weeks and just talk about that. You need a full revelation of how forgiven, how you are a brand new person in the Spirit. That's what my teaching on spirit, soul, and body is all about. I tell you what, it's just powerful. You need to understand these things. Another thing that we go into is in Ephesians chapter 1. Let me turn over and read this passage of Scripture. And this is talking about uh, Paul is praying a prayer that the people would have their eyes open to understand what they already have in their spirit. And so in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, it says, "...the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us." According, I mean, of His power towards us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power which He wrought in Christ, raised Him from the dead, etc. In other words, this is saying that He would, He's praying that your eyes would be open to understand the power that you have in the Spirit. It's the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. You know, you need to think about that. You know, in the Bible, sometimes in the book of Psalms, they would say, Selah which was a musical expression. It was a pause, but basically it just means think on this. Let this soak in. So right here I'm just saying, Selah, you need to think about this. You need to let it soak in. What it means that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now on the inside of you. The same power. Not just a little bit of the same power. It's not the same power, but just in a diminished state or in a very small amount. No, you have the same quantity and quality of power 
that it took to raise Jesus Christ from the dead. That power is already on the inside of you. This is what the Word of God says. This is a blessing, the divine favor that is over you. You have raising from the dead power on the inside of you. Now again, most Christians don't know what they've got. Most Christians are are praying to God something like, Oh God, I am nothing. I can do nothing. I am just so unworthy. But God, you can do all things. You do something. You know what that is? It's actually unbelief. Because this is saying that God has already put within you the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And for you to be saying, Oh God, I can't do anything. You're in denial either in ignorance or total denial of what God's Word says. See, you need to find out what you've got. And one of these blessings is that you have the exceeding greatness of His power, the same power that He used when He wrought in Christ and raised Him from the dead. You have the resurrection from the dead power on the inside of you. If you believe that, I guarantee you it would make a difference in the way you approach things. It'd make the difference in the way you approach other people. It'd make the difference in the way you approach your own circumstances if you really believe that you had that raising from the dead power on the inside of you. Instead of approaching things inferior and intimidated and feeling weak and inadequate, you would begin to start having a superiority attitude. Not in yourself, not in an arrogant way thinking that look who I am, but you would get a superiority attitude thinking look who Christ is in me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians chapter 4 verse 13. You would begin to start having a different attitude and therefore you would get different results. See, you need to understand that you have this power on the inside of you. Jesus said this in John chapter 14 verse 12. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Jesus said, Verily, verily, that means truly, truly. You know, for Jesus to say this is true was amazing, because everything he said was true. Jesus never wasted any words. But this was going to be such a strong statement something that most people would think, surely he couldn't mean what he's saying. So he prefaced it by saying, truly, truly, verily, verily. And he didn't just say verily, he said, verily, verily, truly, truly. He was saying that I know that this sounds impossible. This may sound too good to be true, but the truth is that if you would believe on me, everything that I have done, you can do also and even greater works than what I have done. Man, that's awesome. Do you know what? That is the blessing of God. Jesus spoke that out of His mouth. That's what a blessing is, is divine favor that's been spoken. Jesus spoke to you and to me through these scriptures. It was recorded for our benefit that, you know what? If we would believe on Him, then verily, verily, truly, truly, we can do the works that He did and even greater works. I've had some people come to me when I've preached along these lines and say, so what are those greater works? Do you think being on radio and television and traveling and doing things that Jesus didn't have access to in His day, are those the greater works? You know, I honestly don't know. I have never gotten past just the first portion of that verse where it says, the works that I do shall you do also. I'm still trying to see every person healed. I've seen great healings. I've seen miraculous healings. I've seen people raised from the dead. But I've also seen people die that I've prayed for. 
I haven't seen every single person heal the way that Jesus did. So the point I'm making is don't get into a theological discussion about what the greater works are if you haven't even fulfilled the works that Jesus did. Jesus told us to go heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, and do the things that He did. Until you've gotten to where you are doing all of those things, as long as there are any devils around you to cast out, don't worry about the greater works. But just focus on this fact that God has blessed you. He said out of His mouth, if you would believe on me, you will do the same works that I have done. You know, I'm not wanting to condemn anybody today, but I am wanting to challenge you. Are you living the way that Jesus lived Do you fall apart like a $2 suitcase if the doctor tells you you're going to die? Or can you stand and see sickness and disease and cancer and incurable diseases totally overcome? Not only can you do that for yourself, but can you do that for other people? Can you minister to people the way that Jesus did? Well, the truth is that blessing has been given to you. God has spoken this over you. But it takes faith on your part to see this come to pass. Over here in Hebrews... Chapter 4, in verse 1, it says, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, talking about the Israelites that came out of the land of Egypt. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. You know what? I'm telling you the word of God. I'm saying that God has blessed you with the same power and authority that Jesus had, and you can do the same works. But you know what? For that to be activated in your life, you have to believe it. You have to mix that word with faith. And I'm just trying to stir you up that these are some of the blessings that God has given you. In the spiritual realm, you have been forgiven of all sin, past, present, and even future tense. And in the spiritual realm, you now have the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Raising from the dead powers on the inside of you. You now have the ability to perform the same works that Jesus performed. And even greater works. If you fully understood that you are completely forgiven of all sin, past, present, and even future tense, that you have the same power on the inside of you that raised Jesus from the dead, well then some of the benefits of that in the soulish realm are that you should have no guilt. As it says in Romans chapter 8 verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Now, I hadn't got time to explain all that verse. Some people basically disqualify and miss the blessing of the first part of Romans 8.1 because of that last part of Romans 8.1. It says, to those who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. And they've interpreted that to mean if you do everything right and if you live holy, well, then there's no condemnation. That totally undoes the whole point that's being made. It isn't saying that you have to walk in the Spirit It says walk after the Spirit. There's a difference. A person who's in the Spirit is doing everything right. A person who is after the Spirit is a person who is trying to do everything right. You may fail, but you are seeking after God. This is just basically saying that if you are in Christ Jesus, there is no guilt, no condemnation. And if you just really were to think about that, the benefit that that would have in your life would be astronomical. You know, I minister to a lot of people. I talk to a lot of people. 
And uh, people who are struggling in nearly any area of their life where they are experiencing defeat and discouragement, if you were to sit down and talk to them, and if they will open up and allow you, you start asking them questions, every person I can think of like that somehow or another feels like they have just really missed it. They're disappointed with themselves. They're angry at themselves. Uh, they're going about bearing condemnation is what it basically amounts to. In Romans 8, 1, when it says, there is therefore now no condemnation, if you look that word no up in the Greek, it means absolutely none, the absence of none. It just means that there is absolutely, positively, zip, zero, zilch, nada, condemnation towards you. God isn't dealing with you based on your outward actions and your mental thoughts, but rather He's based His uh, relationship with you on who you are in the Spirit. Well, that is a tremendous benefit. I could go on and talk on and on and on about that. Let me turn over and just talk about, talk about another benefit to your soulish realm, the blessing of God that's upon you. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Now, this comes out of your spirit, out of your born-again spirit. And I've taught on this many times. Again, I'm not going to go into great depth on this. But it, if you are really understanding what you have in the spirit, that you have love, joy, and peace, it will affect your soulish realm. Instead of allowing discouragement and depression to come upon you, what you will do is not look on those outward things that are causing this sense of discouragement and depression, but instead you can look inward at what Christ has done on the inside of you and recognize that you've got love all of the time. You should be able to walk in a measure of love towards people. You should be able to turn the other cheek. You should be able to have people angry at you and do things, and yet it not devastate and destroy you because you are confident that God Almighty loves you. It puts things into perspective. You should have joy all of the time. And the Scripture does say in Psalms chapter 16, verse 11, that um, in the presence of the Lord there is fullness of joy. At His right hand there are pleasures evermore. If you are in the presence of the Lord, which the truth is God is always with us, but we don't always recognize it. We don't always believe it. And so therefore we go through periods of discouragement and depression and feeling lonely and stuff. But it's not because God isn't there. It's because we aren't operating in faith. If you were to really believe and get into the presence of the Lord, recognize it and remind yourself of it, there would be fullness of joy. And then peace is a result of understanding that all of your sins have been forgiven. If you're having a lack of peace, I can guarantee you it's because your mind isn't stayed on the Word of God. Isaiah 26, 3 says, The Lord will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon him because he trusts in him. A lack of peace? You've got a lack of keeping your mind stayed upon God. Romans chapter 8, verse 6 says, To be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. What is spiritually minded? Jesus said in John 6, 63, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So to be spiritually minded means to be word minded. See that Romans 8, 6? 
To be spiritually minded, his life and peace goes right along with Isaiah 26, 3. He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him because he trusteth in him. And you could literally, if we had time, just go through every one of these gifts of the Spirit or fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, which is patience. Gentleness, you would be gentle instead of mean and bitter and angry. You would have goodness. Faith is a fruit of the Spirit. Meekness, temperance, which is the ability to control yourself. You wouldn't overeat, overdrink, overdo things. All of these things are blessings that God has given us. We just haven't known that they're ours. We haven't appropriated them, but they're all there. And again, I could spend an hour or more talking about peace, talking about love, talking about joy, talking about temperance, faith, long-suffering. We could spend much more time. I'm just real quickly hitting these things, kind of pointing you in a direction, and I encourage you that you need to go take these things and meditate on it and recognize that these are the blessings that God has spoken over you and then appropriate them. It takes time for you to meditate on this and for this to become real to you. Let me move on to the body realm. We've talked about the blessings or just some of the blessings in the spirit realm, in the soulish realm, your emotional realm. Now in the physical realm, one of the obvious ones is that, you know what, God bore your sickness and your disease. And there's just so many scriptures I could use on this. Isaiah chapter 53, verses 3, 4, and 5 talk about that He bore our sorrows, carried our griefs. By His stripes we are healed. And just in case some of you have been under the influence of religion that has said this isn't talking about physical healing, but rather this is talking about emotional healing, uh, you know, uh, well-being like that. Well, it was quoted again in Matthew chapter 8 and in verse 17. Jesus had just healed all of these people. And then the writer of Matthew said that this was done, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself bore our infirmities and carried our sicknesses, our diseases. And so what that is, that's a quotation from Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 4. And it's specifically interpreting this not as just spiritual, emotional healing, but physical healing. And it says that when Jesus healed these people in their physical bodies, that that was the literal fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. So you put those together, what this means is that part of your blessing as a born-again believer is that God has released you or delivered you from all sickness and all disease. You do not have to be sick. That's a blessing that God has given to us. And even though I'm still in the process of growing in this, I'm seeing more people healed than I've ever seen healed. And I believe I'm heading in the right direction. But you know what? I still just have to make that decision, let God be true and every man a liar, Romans 3, 4. I have to stand on the fact that, God, I see this in your word and this is what you've spoken, that by the stripes of Jesus we were healed, 1 Peter 2.24. God has already spoken that. If we were, then I am and I'm going to be. And so you know what? I believe that that's part of the blessing that God has bestowed upon me is healing. I am healed. Man, there's many scriptures on this. Look in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7 and in verse 15. 
It says, And the Lord will take away from thee all sickness, and will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt which thou knowest upon thee, but will lay them upon all men that hate thee. And that's powerful. God will take away from us all sickness. It also says in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 61, it says that one of the curses is that all sickness, even things that aren't mentioned in this book of the law, will God bring upon you until you're destroyed. Through Jesus, I've been redeemed from the curse, Galatians 3.13. And so now that curse is turned into a blessing. So these verses, and there's many, many other scriptures. I got an entire tape set on healing, being a part of what Jesus has purchased for us. But healing is one of the blessings that God has spoken over us. And so, you know, therefore, if Jesus has borne my sickness, there's no reason for me to bear it. I am walking in supernatural health. I don't do everything perfectly, but you know what? I've come a long ways. I haven't arrived, but I've left. And I know that I'm on the right uh, path. I'm seeing the supernatural power of God operate, even to the point that I've seen my son raised from the dead after being dead for five hours. I know that the power of God is real. I know that it's God's will for us to be well. Jesus bore your sickness and carried your disease. And you do not have to be sick. Boy, that's powerful. And I tell you, there's so many people that just aren't appropriating this blessing because they, they have been taught that miracles don't happen today or if they do happen, that they are at the whim of God and you certainly can't... Uh, you know, just claim a healing or something like that, that God chooses to make some sick to bless them. And there's all kinds of weird things come out. You know, I'm not going to teach on healing here, but I really believe that the reason people are so prejudiced against healing the way that Jesus did it and the way He told us that we could do it is because it's a cop-out. It's an excuse. They don't have to deal with the fact that maybe they aren't as strong in faith as they needed to be or they haven't been seeking God or they let the devil beat them and because of that, somebody they loved died. It's a cop-out just to say, well, it must have been God's will. But the truth is, the Bible shows us what God's will is. In 3 John chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And I tell you, if we were to appropriate the blessing that God has given us on divine health and divine healing, it would make a huge difference in your life. It would save you a tremendous amount of money. You know, I'm not saying these things to boast. That's not my purpose behind saying this, but I'm just saying this for a comparison because, again, we don't have very many people who are believing God and standing on healing. And so, therefore, many people have just become so accustomed to the way that this world functions that they don't even think about this. They never challenge it. But did you know it has been, uh, I couldn't tell you exactly, but around 36, 37 years since I've let sickness beat me. Now, I've had some sickness come against me, and the worst thing that has probably happened to me was this last year when I finally had a tooth that uh, the doctors told me uh, 15 years before where it was abscessed, and I just prayed over it, and it got over, and it's been doing good, but finally, uh, I just had to have something done with it. And when that happened, I had to actually go get a pain pill, an aspirin, to deal with it, and I took a few aspirin. That's the only medical expense that I have had in 36 years. And my point in saying this is that, see, some people just think, well, you can't live that way. They, they live with 
constantly popping a pill to go to sleep, one to get up, one to control this, one to control that. Did you know you do not have to live that way? God has blessed us with divine health. It's also God's will that you be blessed financially. And again, there is a lot of religious prejudice against this. Uh, People fight against this. There are many people that uh, sarcastically talk about people who preach on financial prosperity and call them health, wealth preachers. And, you know, they use that in a discouraging or disparaging way, thinking that that's some kind of a criticism. I think it's a compliment for people to say that I'm a health, wealth preacher. What's the opposite of that? A sickness, poverty preacher? (laughs) Who wants to be one of those? Man, and yet there's a lot of the body of Christ that believes that you're supposed to be poor, that you aren't supposed to have things. Now, I believe that there's a balance here. I don't believe that God wants you to be greedy. I don't believe God wants to prosper you only for selfish purposes. I believe that He wants to bless us to make us a blessing, as He told Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 2. I do believe that there is a right balance to this, that you can get to where it goes beyond you wanting to prosper so that you can be a good steward and so that you can be a blessing to people to where you actually find security and ego satisfaction in money. And that's not what I'm talking about. Colossians chapter 3 verse 5 calls covetousness idolatry. And I'm certainly not into covetousness or idolatry. But God does want you to prosper. And the Lord said some things. That's what a blessing is. It's God's divine favor that's been released by the words that He speaks. And one of the things that Jesus said in Luke chapter 6 verse 38 was, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Now that's Jesus speaking and Jesus spoke His divine favor and He told not only those people who were listening to Him that day, but this is communicated unto you and me today. I mean in this modern time, the Lord is saying that if you give, then it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again." Man, what a tremendous blessing. If you really believe that, if you really believe that God has blessed you, if you believe that when God says something out of His mouth, it's a contract. Psalms chapter 89 verse 34 says, My covenant will I not break nor alter the thing that has gone forth out of my lips. When God says something, He never goes, Oops, uh, sorry, I didn't mean that, I take it back. Nope, when God says something, it's a contract, it's a covenant, it's binding. He will not change it. And the Lord says that if you give, it shall be, not might be or should be or could be, but it shall be given unto you. God promised that. And He didn't say it would just be given back to you. It's not like if you give a dollar, you get a dollar. He says if you give a dollar, it will be given back unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will man give into your bosom. Now that's a blessing. That's one of the blessings of God. Financial prosperity is part of the blessing. And God said that if you give, it shall be given back unto you. I do believe that there's some qualifications you need to put on this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 3, it says that if you give all of your goods to feed the poor, 
or even if you give your body to be burned and don't do it motivated by charity, God's kind of love, it profits you nothing. So the motive behind your giving is more important than the gift that you give or the amount that you give. And so you've got to have the right motive. But if you give with the right motive, then the Lord promised it would come back to you and not just in the same form, but you would come back with an abundance. Over in Mark chapter 10, I believe it's around verse 29 or it could be 39, somewhere down there. He said that uh, there is no man that hath left house or land, father or mother, brother or sister for my sake, but he shall receive in this life a hundredfold. And in the world, I mean, and uh, in this life a hundredfold with persecution and in the world to come everlasting life. The Lord promised that we would receive back what we give up and sacrifice for Him a hundredfold in this life. Not just in the life to come, but in this life, in this world, in this age. Now that is a blessing that Jesus spoke. And if, again, the Lord has already given it, once He's given it, He cannot turn it back. He won't take it back. And Satan cannot stop it from coming to pass. The only thing that will keep you from prospering once God has spoken these blessings over you is if you don't believe it. And it's amazing to me, but there is a tremendous amount of religious persecution and resistance towards prosperity. And there's a lot of people that teach that this is wrong and you shouldn't prosper. And then they will bring in scriptures about greed and covetousness and, you know, the love of money and all these kind of things. But what they're missing is it's not the money that's wrong. If you believe that money is sinful, well, then you ought to get rid of all of yours and send it to me. Amen. If you believe it's sinful, don't keep any of it. Of course, I'm just joking, but I'm saying that, you know, it just doesn't make sense what people say. Now, I'm against the greed and the covetousness, but God wants to prosper you, first of all, because He loves you and He delights in the prosperity of His servant. Psalms chapter 35, verse 27 says that. God delights in prospering you. It gives God pleasure to see you prosper. It does not please God to see you struggle. So God wants to prosper you because He loves you and wants to provide for you and take care of you. But then also, God wants to prosper you so that you can give unto every good work, as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8, that He's able to make all grace abound towards you so that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound unto every good work. The reason God wants to prosper you and give you sufficiency in every situation is so that you can abound unto good works, so that you can be a blessing. You can't bless somebody else if you aren't blessed. If you're struggling yourself and can't feed yourself, you certainly can't go feed somebody else. So God wants to prosper you because He loves you and God wants to prosper you so that you can be a blessing. God does not want to prosper you so that you can forget Him and that you can quit going to church now that you're so prosperous and you're away on your yacht every weekend. And God doesn't want to prosper you so that it will take your heart away from Him or that you will take comfort in how much you've got and you don't have to trust God anymore. Or God doesn't want to prosper you if, it, if you're going to find your identity and self-worth and how much you, your physical worth is. God doesn't want to prosper you to do those things. But if you just want to be a good steward and provide for your family and then use the increase to be a blessing to other people, you know what? God wants to prosper you and He has spoken these blessings over you. And all you've got to do is really believe that. And once you believe it, 
it just begins to work. You know, there's another instance that I had back when my wife and I were first getting started in ministry and we had a lot of financial problems and they were basically my fault because I didn't understand things and I was trying to be a minister without working a secular job because I felt like God called me to full-time ministry. There should have been some compromise and I should have worked part-time until I got to where I was ministering to more people. But anyway, I didn't understand all that stuff. And not long after Jamie and I were married, uh, we were down to where we hadn't eaten in a long time. And actually, all we had was some Cokes. And a friend of mine uh, drove a Coke truck and came by and gave us some Cokes. And he had a bag of Fritos in his in the front of his truck. And he came in to talk to us and he offered those things to us. And so we had been rationing out one or two Fritos per meal and drinking about one Coke a day. And that's all we had had for a number of days. I mean, we were struggling and we just didn't have any money. And I remember that we had, I think, 75 cents is all of the money that we had. We didn't have a bank account. There was no reserves. This was total, 75 cents. And Jamie took it to go over and wash some clothes. And even though we lived in an apartment complex and we had washers and dryers on the other side of the complex, it was a long ways over. So Jamie took our car, put the clothes in there and drove over there and she was washing clothes. And while she was washing clothes, I just really... Uh, was on the verge of being angry at God as if God wasn't providing for us. Now I know it wasn't God's fault, it was my fault. But nonetheless, I was saying, God, I'd give my right arm to feed Jamie and to take care of her. And I'm doing what you've told me to do. How come you aren't being faithful? I was griping. And um, anyway, in the mercy of God, you know what he spoke to me was Luke chapter 12, verse 32. And it says, fear not little flock, for it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And that verse could mean many things to many people, but at that moment, God used that to speak to me and say, this is not my will. I want to prosper you. I'm going to provide for you, and you are going to see relief today. When Jamie got back from washing the clothes, I was excited. I told her, I said, Jamie, we are going to eat today. We're going to have a meal today. So we ate Fritos and Coke for lunch. Then at uh, supper, we didn't eat anything. We were tired of Fritos and Cokes, went to church. A guy invited me over to his house after church. It's a long story, but he wound up giving me an entire box full of fish that he had caught, gave me potatoes and all of the trimmings and things to go along with it. We cooked it real quickly, and just a few minutes before midnight, we had a full meal And then the next day, I had somebody bring me an entire box worth of porterhouse steaks. We went from not eating anything to eating steaks and living high on the hog. And you know how it all came to pass? When the Lord gave me that verse, Luke 12, 32, that says it was His good pleasure to give me the kingdom. It just showed me that God loved me, that God wanted to meet my needs. And all of a sudden, my faith rose. And when I put faith in the blessing of God. Then we had that breakthrough. And it turned out that when this guy finally gave us that meal later that night, he told me he came over during the day to give it to me, but it turned out our car wasn't there and he thought we weren't there, so he just went on. The only time that car was gone all day long was when Jamie was washing the clothes. I was praying. God spoke to me. That's when we had our breakthrough. I want to turn back over to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28. 
I talked about these passages of Scripture, and I focused on verses 1 and 2. Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2 basically is saying that you have to do everything just right, keep all of the commandments, and then these blessings will come upon you. In the Old Testament, this may have been the way it was, but in the New Testament, Jesus fulfilled the law for us so that now we get the righteousness of the law imputed unto us, not based on our performance, but it's a gift. And I use Romans chapter 8, verse 4. It says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit and Galatians 3.13 and other things. So anyway, my point is that Deuteronomy 28 verses 1 through 14 make all of these blessings listed dependent or conditional upon our performance. But through Jesus, Jesus has now uh, performed for us and has obtained all of these blessings for us. And now we get these blessings not based on performance, but rather just based on faith, whether we can believe for them or not. So I've already covered that. I'm not going to go back through all of that again, but that's important that you understand this. Or Verses 1 and 2 will totally short-circuit this thing so that you'll never see these blessings come to pass if you feel that you have to earn them and deserve them. But look at what some of these blessings are in Deuteronomy chapter 28. It says, let me just go back to verse 2. It says, And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. In verse 3 it says, Blessed shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the field. I think that the way that we would say this in modern day terminology is that wherever you are, you'll be blessed. And you know, that's, that's important. Again, some people don't travel as much as others, but you know, I travel a lot and I go into other cultures. I've been into some countries behind the Iron Curtain back before the Berlin Wall fell where we were searched and we were interrogated and things happened. And you know what? When you're out of your element, when you're out of your country where you know how things operate and stuff, there could be a fear, an insecurity that hits you. But the Lord said that you would be blessed whether you were in the city, in the field. And again, I don't think this is just uh, limited to whether you're in the city or in the country. It's just talking about wherever you are, you are blessed. That the blessing of God is with you. It's not limited by a place. It's not limited by the circumstances around you. That you are blessed of God. Now man, I love that. I think that's awesome. And you know, there are some people... I remember before... I got this experience with the Lord that I've told about many times, March the 23rd, 1968. I was an introvert, and yet I had learned how to adapt myself to the church situation. I felt comfortable around church people, but out in the secular world, in high school and things like this, I was an introvert, and I couldn't relate to people very well. And you know what? It was I didn't understand this thing that I'm blessed wherever I am. It doesn't matter if I'm just around Christians or wherever I am. I am blessed, blessed, blessed. And you know, this has become a foundation truth in my life. And I now believe this. And I apply this wherever I am. It doesn't matter if I'm in a city. I don't particularly like big cities. I, that's the reason I live way out in the country. I love being out in the country. But you know what? I am blessed of God. And if I have to go into a big city to minister to people or whatever, I don't just lose the blessing. I don't let the pressure of things come upon me. I'm blessed. And it doesn't matter where I am. I am blessed all of the time anywhere that I am. Now again, that's a simple truth. 
but it's a profound truth. And most people are not able to, uh, you know, put that into practice in their daily life. Some people will feel more uh, blessed around their family or around certain people that they're secure with, but then they have these other areas where they just don't let the blessing of God permeate that. You're going to have to get to the place to where you believe you are blessed all of the time anywhere you go, that the blessing of God is with you and you are blessed. You know, most of you, of course, don't know me personally, but uh, you can ask anybody on my staff, anybody in the school, anybody that I talk to on a casual basis. The first thing you do when somebody sees you is to say, how are you? And I always say, I'm blessed. I mean, even when I don't look blessed or feel blessed, when things are going bad, I just constantly say this. It is my pat answer. And I've had people get mad at me before. I've actually had people quit the Bible school before because they knew I had some negative things happen. And they came up and put their arm around me and, how are you? And I said, I'm blessed. And they said, no, I want to know how you really are. And I said, I really am blessed. And they said, no, I don't want to know what you're believing. I want to know how you feel. And I said, I'm not telling you how I feel. I'm telling you what the Word says. I am blessed. And I've had people get mad because I won't confess something different. I just won't open up and let all of my feelings out and all of this kind of stuff. You know what? I don't believe that that is the right way to live. I believe that you are supposed to dominate yourself by what God's Word says and not how you feel. And because of it, I am blessed anywhere I go. Again, it's a simple truth, but that's profound. There's some people that, you know what, you have certain things, certain areas where you, your faith works, and then you've got other areas that, man, your faith isn't working. You aren't believing for the blessing. You need to take this passage of Scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 3, and say, I'm blessed in the city, and I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed when I'm at work. I'm blessed when I'm at home. I'm blessed when I'm at school. I'm blessed when I'm out traveling. I'm blessed when I'm doing whatever. Wherever you are, the blessing of God is upon you. It's not limited to a locale. It is upon you. And wherever you go, God will never leave you nor forsake you. And you need to adopt that mindset. Isn't that powerful? Praise God. Look at the next verse here. This is Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 4. It says, Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy ground and the fruit of thy cattle, the increase of thy kind and the flocks of thy sheep. In other words, this is not only a blessing on you, but it means you're going to be fruitful. The animals that you own, of course, this was written to people who were more agricultural and livestock-based than what most of us are today. But this is just talking about that not only you, but any of your possessions, anything that's alive is going to be blessed with the ability to reproduce, which normally, you know, if you own cattle, sheep, any of these kind of things, that means increase in finances. And it's not just limited to like your livestock and things like this, but the Lord said here, the blessed will be the fruit of your body and the fruit of your ground, your crops, your garden. If you plant flowers, you know what? You ought to speak that those flowers are blessed. You know what? This is talking about fruitfulness, reproduction in your crops, in your animals, and in your own body. Now, this isn't a problem for everybody, but I've had hundreds, literally hundreds of people come to me who were married couples who were unable to have children, 
and I have told them about God said that He's blessed you. And listen to this verse over in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and in verse 13. It says, this is Moses speaking to the Israelites, and these same things that were true for them are now true for us through Jesus. And in Deuteronomy 7, 13 and 14, it says, And he will love thee and bless thee and multiply thee. Now again, this is what we're talking about, the blessing of God, God's favor spoken over thee. So here he is speaking through Moses. And it says, He will bless thee and multiply thee. He will also bless the fruit of thy womb and the fruit of thy land, thy corn and the wine and thine oil, the increase of thy kind, the flocks of thy sheep, in the land which he sware unto thy fathers to give thee. Thou shalt be blessed above all people. There shall not be male or female barren among you or among your cattle. Now that is a blessing of God spoken through Moses. And all you've got to do to see this blessing come to pass in your life is first of all know that this is God's will. See, a lot of people lose it right here. They just... They try to have children, and if they can't have children, then they say it must not be God's will. And so this is a little strange to me, but they think it must not be God's will for us to have children. So they'll go out and adopt a child. If God didn't want you to have children, why would he want you to adopt a child and get around his system? No, the truth is it's not God that causes barrenness. God wants you to have children. And this right here says there would not be a single male or female barren among you. Now, are there Christians who are barren and aren't able to have children? Yes, because you know what? They don't know that this is a blessing of God. They don't know that they can activate the blessing of God through their faith. And so they just simply don't pursue it. They don't release their faith and they don't receive the benefit. But if you can understand what I'm talking about, Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 4, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, make it very clear that it is God's will for you to have children. You could go on and add many other scriptures to this that says that like your wife will be blessed, she'll be like a fruitful vine that brings forth her fruit, that happy is the man that has his quiver full of children, and on and on and on. Children are a blessing of the Lord. And so God has blessed us with the ability to have children for our crops, our uh, livestock, everything that we possess to be fruitful and to multiply. That is one of the blessings that God has given us. And you know what? You can speak that. I've actually spoken over my ground out where I live. Now, I don't have any horses now, but when I had horses, I had 26 and a half acres and about four or five horses. And out where I live, it's a very arid climate and most of the property is vertical. It's not very good grazing land. And so 26 and a half acres wasn't enough land to um, graze those horses. So you know what I did? I started taking scriptures about where it says that God would send rain. He would bless our land. He would cause our grass to grow. And I went out and I would walk over my property and quote those scriptures and speak these things over my land. And some of you aren't going to believe this, but this is my testimony and I'm sticking with it. It's what happened. I put up fences where my property line was. And when you drove up to my property, you could look. And on my property, the grass would be green. The grass would be taller and better than the grass on the other side of the fence. You know, you hear this saying about the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. Not at my place, amen. It's greener on my side of the fence because I've blessed it and I've spoke those blessings. And you know what? My grass grows better and it's greener than other places. 
Some of you think, I don't believe that. Well, then it won't work for you. But that's the truth. This God said He would bless you. He'd bless the fruit of your ground, the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your kind, the flocks of your sheep. In verse 5 it says, Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Now again, this is old English, but what this is talking about is your basket is what you have with you. It's what you carry with you. It's the food, the things that you have with you at that moment. Your store would be like your cellar or your grain granary, wherever you keep your food and your supplies stored. So I think that the modern day way to say this would be that God would bless your wallet, what you have in your purse or in your billfold, but God will also bless your bank account, your savings account, your investments and things like this. This is The way we would say this today is, it's talking about financial prosperity, that God is going to bless what you have in your pocket. God will bless what you have in your savings. The very fact that this says God will bless what you have in store, talking about your savings or investment, then you know what? If you don't have any savings or investment, God can't bless it. There are some of you that are asking for God's increase and yet you haven't even started the savings. And you may think, well, all I got is a dollar. What good's that going to do? Well, you put a dollar in a savings, then God could start multiplying that and blessing it. But you put nothing in there, a hundred times zero is zero. You know, I was just uh, with a pastor down in Alvin, Texas, uh, Al Jandel, and I ministered at his church and I hadn't got time to give his whole testimony. But he got a real revelation on this and he had been very poor before he got born again and then in his first few years as a pastor, he had struggled and God showed him that he was going to bless his savings. And so he started putting aside some money and uh, God just supernaturally began to bless it. And God has prospered him. And I forget the exact figures, but I think his church owns 120, 160 acres down there in Alvin, Texas. They have all of these facilities and hotel accommodations and full school, kindergarten through uh, high school and just on and on. And God has blessed him and he's very prosperous and everything is paid for. And it all started with getting a revelation that God would bless what he had right then in his wallet, but also he would bless his savings. And so he needed to start saving. You need to have some savings so that God could bless it. You need to do something. And God will begin to multiply it and cause it to multiply supernaturally. But before he can bless it, you got to first of all have some. Take a quarter and put in something. You know, if you were to take a dollar a week and put it aside, that'd be $50 a year that you'd save, which isn't a huge amount, but you do that for 10 years, you got $500. That's more than some of you have. Most of you could save $10 a week. That'd be over $520 in a year. You do that for 10 years and you'd have 5000 Some of you could put aside 100 a week and then you'd have, what would that be, $5,000. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, it's getting beyond my math, but you get the picture. You need to start doing something and then God will bless you. In verse 6, it says, Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. In other words, God's just going to bless you all of the time. We've already talked about up in verse 3 that He said He would bless you wherever you are. It's not limited to geography. It's not just here in the United States or someplace. But 
Now God will bless you all of the time, whether you're going out or whether you're coming in. It doesn't matter which direction you're going. You are just blessed, 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 blessed. Man, that's powerful. Again, this is a very simple truth, and some people just think, well, that doesn't mean that much to me. Well, it means a lot to me. I believe that I am blessed all of the time. God wants us to be blessed at all times. And because of this, I just can get up in the middle of the night. You could wake me up from a dead sleep. And you know what? I would be able to wake up and go to ministering to people because I'm not only blessed in certain places, I'm blessed everywhere, but I'm also blessed all of the time. You can, uh, I can drop my, I can drop, minister at the drop of a hat or drop my hat to get an opportunity to minister. I'm just blessed all of the time. And this is one of the attitudes that you need to develop. You need to be blessed when you are coming in or blessed when you are going out. Isn't that powerful? I tell you what, you need this blessed mentality. And then in verse uh, 7, this is Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 7. It says, The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face, They shall come out before thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. Now this was spoken to a nation who was about to go in and drive out the inhabitants and they were going to be engaged in war. And uh, so this was a specific blessing for that. But I believe that you could apply this to us in our relationships with others. We're blessed in our relationships with others. Sometimes those had adversarial type of relationships. But God is just saying that you're going to win. You're the head and not the tail. God wants to prosper you in your relationship with other people. And that's important. I meet a lot of people that have had some kind of a negative experience, either in a marriage or it could be just trying to relate and get along with people and because of it they've been hurt and they just feel cursed. They have a cursed mentality. They know that if they try and make friends with somebody, it's not going to work. And you know what? That becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You need to get this attitude that I'm blessed. If people are going to like anybody, they're going to like me. And not in an arrogant way, but I'm just talking about in a confident way that you know that God's blessing is on you. You know, in my own personal life, I've been in ministry now for about 30-something years, and so this is really about all that I do is just focus on ministry. But I remember when I was drafted and put in the military, I remember I've worked secular jobs, pouring concrete and doing many different things. And I just had this attitude that whatever I do, I'm going to be blessed. I'm going to get along with people. And you can put me into a situation, and my natural tendency is to be an introvert and to be withdrawn. But through this knowledge that I'm sharing with you about how God has blessed me in my relationships and that I am going to prosper, I just know that I can do whatever I need to do. And I get along well with people. I consider myself now to be a very good people person. But that's not my natural tendency. It's because I'm believing in the blessing of God. And look what else it says here in verse 8. It says, The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and in all that thou settest thine hand unto, and he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The way I would phrase this is that whatever work you do, whatever you set your hand unto, God is going to prosper it. And I really believe that I could take any kind of a job. You could take me out of the ministry. Now, again, this is where God's called me to be, and it's where I'm going to stay. But I'm saying if I had to, I could go sell things, and I guarantee you I'd be blessed. If I worked for somebody else and punched a clock, if I was a 
you know, some kind of a clerk in a store. I guarantee you, whatever I would do, is I would be blessed. And some people think, well, boy, that's arrogance. No, that's not arrogance. That's just faith in the blessing of God. Whatever I set on my hand unto, He's going to command His blessing on me. Whatever I do, I'm going to prosper. Praise God. I don't know. Some of you probably have a hard time understanding or adopting the attitude I'm talking about. And you're thinking, boy, that's arrogance and who wants to be like that? But I tell you what, it has changed my life. I used to be the kind that I just couldn't... I I never succeeded or prospered at anything. I was always mediocre at anything I ever did. I never was the worst. I never was the best. I was just mediocre. And that's the way that my whole life was. I could function, but I never could succeed. And when God started showing me these blessings, actually these exact scriptures... God started speaking these into my life. I started mixing it with faith and I have totally changed now to where instead of just barely getting by, instead of being average, I guarantee you whatever I do, I'm going to excel at it. I just do better than what I would have done in the past. Now, it may not be my interest, it may not be my focus, and so I may not prosper as much as somebody that devotes all of their time to it, but whatever I do, I'm going to prosper in it. You know why? Because I believe I'm blessed. And boy, that has been good for me. That has helped me. And there's many of you that need to have that attitude. You just have this old self-fulfilling, defeated attitude and you need to get rid of that and recognize that you are blessed. And it goes on to say in verse 9, The Lord shall establish thee a holy people unto himself, as he has sworn unto thee, if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways. This is talking about that God is going to bless you in your personal relationship with him. God will make you holy. God will work in your life. God will change your character. Problems that you've got, failings that you've got, God will begin to bless you and you will begin to prosper in your personal relationship with God and it will show up in every area of your life. Man, how great of a blessing is that? Did you know that that's what this is saying? This is one of the blessings that God has given you. God wants to bless you. God wants to release His power into you so that you can learn how to hear His voice and how to relate to Him and have a positive relationship with Him. Boy, that's powerful. Praise God. In verse 10 it says, And all people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of thee. This is saying that, you know what, God's favor will be on your life to such a degree that other people will see it. Again, I don't say these things in a bragging way. Many people could say this. But you know what, I have actually had people come up to me before in supermarkets, in malls, in different places that have never seen me. This is before I was on television and things like this. The people have never seen me and they just come up and say, you're a Christian, aren't you? You're a believer. They'll make some comment and they can tell that I'm a Christian. And it's not because I have my collar turned around backwards or I wear certain type of clothing that was 200 years old or something like that. But you know what? You can literally have God's favor on you to such a degree that people see it and they know that there's something different about you. Isn't that good? I know that there's many of you that that's the way that you are. There's also many people watching this program that if somebody was to find out that you are a Christian, it would shock them. It would surprise them. Because you're just as worried as the unbelievers. You don't express faith. You get mad. You get upset. You're temperamental. You do the same thing as the unbelievers do. There's people 
watching this program right now, that you know what? The favor of God is not so evident in your life that all people of the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord. But it should be that way. And it can be that way. God can move in your life in such a way that you are just a walking billboard for God wherever you go. People are going to see the glory of God on you. You know what? God wants you to live that kind of a life. Wouldn't that be awesome if somebody walked up and said, you must be a Christian. You must be a believer. If you've never had that happen to you, you know, it is really a blessing to just think that God, thank you that you've been working in my life enough that you are so manifest in my life that other people can see you in me without me having to preach a message and proclaim my own goodness. Man, isn't that awesome? In verse 12 or 11, it says, And the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods, in the fruit of thy body, and in the fruit of thy cattle, and in the fruit of thy ground, in the land which the Lord sware unto thy fathers to give thee. Once again, this is talking about finances. I've already covered this, but the Lord wants to bless you financially. He wants to pour out great wealth through you. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich... Yet for your sakes he became poor so that you through his poverty might be made rich. Boy, that's powerful. It is part of what Jesus died to produce is financial prosperity in your life. And this is talking about that that's part of that blessing. In verse 12 it says, The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven to give the rain unto thy land in his season, and to bless all the work of thine hand. And thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. You know, I've used this verse a number of times because we live in a very arid place where if you just have uh, a little bit less rain or snow, then you get into serious trouble. And in the year 2002, we had a severe drought, and I forget the exact amount, but I know it was over 140,000 acres burned right out by my house. As a matter of fact, we were evacuated from our house for two weeks because of the fires that were raging out there. That's how dry things were. And so, you know what, I've taken this passage of Scripture many times and said, Father, you said you would command your blessings upon us and that you would send rain, that you send rain on the just and on the unjust. And so I'll stand there and I'll speak and command rain to come. And we've broken droughts doing that. Some of you don't believe that we have that power. And you know what, it won't work for you. But I believe it and because of it, I've seen the supernatural power of God manifest just like this verse is saying. This still works today. It also says in the last part of this 12th verse of Deuteronomy chapter 28, it says, You shall lend unto many nations, and you shall not borrow. Well, that's a powerful passage. Now, I don't believe that the Lord here is trying to criticize you or say you're in sin or you're terrible if you borrow. That's not what I'm saying. But this is just saying that the blessing of God will be so abundant upon you that you won't have to borrow, but you will be so blessed you will be the lender. You'll be the one helping other people. In verse 13 it says, And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail, and thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath. Man, I love that. You know what? I used to be the tail. You know what the tail is? The tail gets wagged. The tail doesn't control anything. It's just the rear end of everything. You know what? If all you were doing, if you were just mediocre and following along, then you know what? The scenery in front of you is going to be always the same, and it's not the most 
beautiful view. You have to be the lead dog to have the scenery change. You need to be the head, not the tail. You need to develop this attitude. God wants to promote you. Not so that He can put down other people or stuff, but He loves you. And especially if you will believe that this is God's will and cooperate with Him. The Bible says in Psalms 35, 27 that God delights in the prosperity of His servants. God wants to see you prosper, not only financially, but emotionally and in social realm and just every way. He wants to make you the head and not the tail. He wants to make you above and not beneath. When somebody asks you how you are, don't tell them how you are under the circumstances. Tell them that you are blessed and highly favored, that God's blessing is upon you. Whatever you set your hand unto prospers. You begin to start saying that and speaking it. You know what? You're liable to go to believing it. Amen. Well, that would make a big difference in your life. You know, I'm running short of time. Let me just go through some of these other blessings very quickly. Everything that Jesus has... And is every blessing that is upon Jesus is also upon you if you are a new uh, creature in Christ. Here's some scriptures that go along with that. Galatians chapter 3 verse 29 and it says, And if you belong to Christ, if you are Christ, apostrophe S, that means possessive. If you belong to Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You get everything that Abraham had. You get all of the blessings of the Old Testament law, which we've been going through in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Plus, you get everything that belongs to Jesus. All of the blessings, all of the rewards that come to Jesus for His holiness and for His goodness. Did you know that you become a joint heir with Him? Romans chapter 8 verse 17. You are an heir with Him and a joint heir with Him. So everything that He has, you have. You have His wisdom. His holiness, His purity, His power, His blessing, everything. The way that the Father loved the Son, He loves you that much. That's what Jesus said when He prayed in the 17th chapter of the book of John. He says, Father, I pray that you would reveal your love to them, the same love that you have for them that you had for me. Boy, think about what a blessing that is, that God Almighty feels about you the same way that He feels about Jesus. And there's a big difference between your actions and Jesus' actions. And yet, you know what? God the Father loves you just as much as He loved His Son, Jesus. Oh, that's powerful. You know, there is a blessing for continuing in the Word. In James chapter 1, verse 25, it says, Whosoever looks into this perfect law of liberty and continues therein, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So there is a blessing if you study the Word. This is also revealed over in uh, Revelation chapter 1. I'm not sure exactly, but it's in the very introduction to Revelation. It says, blessed is he that reads and understands and keeps the words of this prophecy. There is a blessing for being in the Word of God. Boy, it will just transform your life. It will renew your mind and you will be transformed if you'll just get into the Word of God. There are blessings for not being offended over Jesus. Jesus was talking to His disciples in Matthew chapter 11, verse 6, and He says, And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in Me. You know what? If you get criticism because of your association with the Lord, because of your morality, because you aren't like everybody else, and if people begin to criticize you or do something, did you know what? There is a special blessing if you don't get offended, if you don't get hurt because your association with Jesus is costing you something. 
there is a blessing for enduring persecution. Let me read this to you out of Matthew chapter 5. These were the Beatitudes that Jesus spoke on the Sermon on the Mount. And really, all of these Beatitudes that are listed in Matthew chapter 5 and chapter 6, these are all blessings. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. These are some of the blessings that God has put upon us. In verse 10 it says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. This is talking about that there is a special blessing favor of God spoken over you when you are persecuted because you've done the right thing and because you have taken a stand for the Lord. Man, that's powerful. You know, there are probably some people watching this program that because of your witness for the Lord, somebody has hurt you. You may have had somebody divorce you. You may have been fired from a job. You may have been kicked out of a church because you took a stand for what the Word of God said and it went against their tradition. You may have lost friends. You may have had people ridicule you and call you a fanatic. The Scripture here is saying when that happens, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Man, this is a cause for celebration because there is a special blessing on people who suffer persecution for the sake of the Lord. You are going to have a great reward in heaven is what this verse says. Isn't that powerful? There are some of you today that have suffered persecution and because of it, you may be smarting and you may be discouraged and having to deal with some feelings and stuff when the truth is that, you know what, you ought to be just rejoicing, jumping up and down and praising God because you have a great reward in heaven. Instead of having that pity party and being discouraged and depressed, you ought to be rejoicing and throwing yourself a party. Isn't that good? I tell you what, if you get into the Word of God and start thinking about what God has said about you, it'll reverse whatever situation you're dealing with. There is a special blessing on people forgiving. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, uh, Paul quoted Jesus and said, It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. There is a greater blessing on you if you are a giver than if you're a receiver. And then there's a special blessing upon us when we give to the poor. In Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17, it says, He that gives to the poor lends to the Lord, and that which he has given the Lord shall repay. You know what? There is special blessings on you. And again, these are just a few of the blessings. I haven't exhausted them, and I've gone through these so quickly, I've just mentioned them. I encourage you that you need to study this on your own. You know, if you would get these materials that we're offering... This could really be a big help to you. It could make a major difference just to go through and maybe write down some of the scriptures and then go back and study them on your own and begin to start seeing how blessed you are and then mix it with faith. And if you will do that, then the blessing of God will come. God will never remove the blessing from you. Satan cannot remove the blessing. It basically comes down to you. Are you going to know what you are blessed with 
And are you going to begin to believe it and pursue it? Or are you going to just continue on with the cursed mentality that so many people do? I pray that you're going to make the right decision.